Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind up upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each one cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, we thanks for this chance to gather. Lord, thanks for the freedom to gather, to worship you. God, I pray you would open our hearts and our minds to your word that we would not run from your presence, that we would be living in your presence. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Being in the presence of greatness is painful. Just ask any teenage girl who's ever gone to a, the- a concert to see her idol. You know, she gets to see her favorite band, and every picture they have of them, she goes to meet them, and they're just, they're, she's crying, she's shaking, her friends are taking awkward pictures of her. Um, it's just the presence of the greatness, it's painful for them. They look back at it later and they say, oh, that was crazy. Or you can just ask Karen Ransom here in our church, who was a huge Elvis fan. And she was a uh, Elvis fan that went to Elvis concerts, and she was able to meet him. She was one of those teenagers just, ah, screaming. She knows how painful it is. So that years later, your pastor might talk about you um, in front of other people. Being in the presence of greatness is painful. Pokemon Go this week, the fact that it's just been out for less than 14 days and already worked its way into a sermon illustration, talks about presence. People are all over the place in our country and around the world trying to get into the presence of Pokemon, so much so that in San Diego this week, two men, grown men, fell off a cliff trying to find Pokemon. Being in the presence of greatness is painful, and people are looking to be in the presence. And they're willing to go through much pain to be in the presence of something they love, or someone they love, which makes Jonah a very odd character and a negative example for us to see. He, he's one whose who's path you don't want to follow. Everything we learn from Jonah is a, from a negative example. He's the perfect example of don't do this. See what he does? Do just the opposite. Don't do Jonah. Because being in the presence is what everybody wants. We want presence. People are desiring to be in the presence of greatness, to want to be in presence of greatness. And Jonah here, well, the rest of the world is looking for that. Jonah is trying to get out of the presence of greatness. He's choosing to run from who he knows is the greatest. Jonah is leaving and trying to leave the presence of God. 
And when we say God, we mean the God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of life, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If that's not the God that you're talking about when you say God, that's not the greatness of God. That's not God. God doesn't agree with everything you agree with. So if the God that you believe in believes everything that you believe in, you're not believing the God of the Bible. You're not believing the God of the universe, the sustainer of the world. Jonah knew that God, and he was trying to run from that God. Literally, when it says that Jonah was leaving the presence of God, it literally means he was trying to leave the face of God. He wanted to get away from God. He wanted to get out of his presence. Karen Ransom, as a teenager, wanted to be in the face of Elvis Presley. She would have loved that. Jonah is running from the presence of God. He doesn't want to be in his presence because he knows who God is. He says in Jonah 4, 2, he says, For I know that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. I mean, that's who God is. I know that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. I mean, sign me up to meet that kind of person who's gracious, slow to anger, constantly forgiving, relenting, trying to rescue me from danger. I want to know him. Tell me what app to download on my phone for I can know that kind of person. We would all agree with that. I mean, whatever you do, don't, don't let me miss out on meeting that kind of person. If we all knew that there was a person like that, would you run a run from his presence, gracious, forgiving, constantly for you, trying to keep you from disaster? That's God. And Jonah knew that, and he said, I'm going to run from that. Oh, that's, I don't want to be around him. And he was running from his presence. And verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee from the presence, flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. Listen. The word of God has come to me, and it's come to you. And if we hear it honestly, And if we listen to it with a desire to learn what it says, we're going to hear and we're going to see, and our own experience is going to show us, if we're really honest, that we are more like Jonah than we want to believe. Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. All of us have turned everyone to his own way. Psalm 14 says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Literally, in the Hebrew, that means... The fool has says no to God. Jonah was a fool. He said, no, God, I don't want to be in your presence. The fool has said no to God. Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. We are all Jonah if we really listen to God's word and want to hear what it has to say. Have you ever said no 
to God? Have you ever failed to follow some aspect of his word? Have you, have you believed or feel that or acted as if what God desires and wants has no impact on your particular life? Have you been making all your decisions about life without asking God, what do you want? I mean, do people even ask that question anymore? Do Christians even ask, um, God, what do you want? I want to do what you want. And then do we even wait long enough to listen to find out what it is? Or are we just so busy constantly saying, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do, and yeah, God, I hope you're with me. I mean, are we really stopping? I mean, if you're 20 years old or 25 or 28 or 30, have you stopped to say, God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? Do we ask that question at all? If you're doing that, or if you're not doing that, or when you just make your own decisions, or when you just choose not to follow what God has to say, Jonah tells us that we're, and you are running from the presence of the Lord. You're saying no to God. Your reflection is yourself, and that service. And the mirror image that you're really looking at is Jonah and not Jesus, if you're a Christian. Jonah was God's prophet. I mean, he was called of God. He was a church kid. He grew up in the nation of Israel. His dad's name was Faithful. His, his name was Dove, which was a symbol of peace. But there was absolutely no desire on Jonah to give peace to the Assyrians, who was Israel's arch enemy, which is present-day Iraq, is where Nineveh was, was the capital of that. He was this angry bird trying to run from God. He didn't want to have anything to do with what God said to him. And God said, Jonah, I want you to rise, and I want you to go this way. And Jonah said, no, I'm going to go absolutely the complete opposite direction. So he went to Tarshish, which was 2,000 miles, almost directly the opposite way. He was leaving and wanted to get out of the presence of God. He wanted to leave the face of God. He didn't want to follow God. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. He wanted to be in charge of his life. But living in the presence of the Lord is far less painful than running from the presence of the Lord. I mean, if there's one thing I want you to get out of this message this morning, one thing I want you to write down or remember or evaluate your life with this week, it's this. The pain of obeying is far less than the pain of disobeying. When God says to us to do something, the pain of obeying is far less than the pain of disobeying what God calls us to do. Why is that? First, obedience is has a price. It's costly to obey. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, which was the epitome of everything Jonah stood against. And he says, I want you to go to those people. And the whole thing, the whole scenario, it's this massive great city. The whole scenario of this one man going to this massive city that takes three days to run through. I mean, it has trials written all over it. It's got terror written all over it. They would want to kill him. And it has tragedy in Jonah's mind written all over it. This is not going to go well for me if I decide to go the way God wants me to go. 
And Jonah really wasn't packing up his faith. He was just packing away his responsibility to live out his faith. When God says for us to obey, it will always cost us something. There's always a price to obedience. I mean, the Olympics are starting up, and all these athletes, they want the gold medal, and they want it really bad, but they know, every one of them knows, that to get that gold medal for the last eight, four years, 16 years, they've paid heavy prices to obey the call, to get and try for a gold medal. It's no different than when God calls us. When God says obey, there is a price to be paid. The, the problem is there's a greater price for disobedience. I mean, Jonah was not giving up on his faith. He was just packing it away a little bit so he didn't have to be responsible for it. We're, we're trying to sell our house right now, and we've spent most of the summer, it feels like, just stuffing stuff away, packing it up in boxes, and most of our stuff is in my mom's garage and her basement. And the rest of our house is just cleared out. And I've packed it all away, and I really don't want to think about it right now. I don't want to be responsible for it. I actually enjoy the the cleanliness and the open space of our house now. We should just stay. Uh, But all that garbage is going to have to come back. But I don't want to be responsible for it right now. I want to pack it away. That's what Jonah was trying to do with God. What is the cost of that? What's the cost of trying to pack God away? Or what's the cost of disobedience when God says for you to do something and you say no? Or I don't want to do it all the way. I'll just do it partially. What's the cost of that? I'm telling you, the cost to disobey is greater than the cost of obeying. Jonah, when he disobeyed God, It says that he went down and started this downward cycle. And he got away from the presence of God. And he had to go down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. I mean, he he had to sell all his stuff, basically. It was an expensive trip. He had to sell all his stuff, pack it all up. And then he had to go find a ship that was going to Tarshish. It wasn't like they just had all these opportunities. He looked intently for one going the complete opposite direction. And it depleted him all the way. He was going down, 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 it says, through that whole passage. Jonah was going down. When you run from God, when you're disobeying God, you are going to be depleted spiritually. It cost him financially. You may not always get sucked financially from not obeying God. I mean, you might actually prosper for some of you financially, but you will deplete spiritually. You'll deplete emotionally. We've got these flowers in our house now all over the place because it's supposed to look good when people come look at your house. And so we have these roses that were there. But after a few days, the roses, they start to fade a little bit. They start to deplete. I mean, they still look like roses, but they're pretty much worthless. They're just going down and down until eventually i got to pick it up, toss it, and go buy some more. When you say no to God, you're, you're depleting and you don't even realize it. Emotionally, you're depleting. Spiritually, you are depleting. There'll be drama that comes up greater than regular drama in your life. Jonah gets in this boat now, and the ship comes, the storm comes, and the, the thing's getting shaken to pieces. 
unbelievable fear is taken over his life. The Lord hurled this great wind. I mean, drama entered his life. He's now just being shaken by this drama. He's, he's delusional as well. When you start to walk away from God, you think, I can do this. It's okay for me to do this. Nothing's going to happen to me. You're depleting spiritually. You are... Your life has gotten all this extra chaos and drama because you know that this isn't where you're supposed to be. And you're living a delusional life. If you say, think, you can say no to God and just get away with it. Jonah went down to the bottom of the ship, it says, and he fell asleep, trying to pretend that, oh, this is okay. He's delusional in this. He's asleep in this. And he loses his dignity. And it's a dead end. If you start to walk away from God, this will happen. The captain came to Jonah. I mean, Jonah was God's prophet. It was a special message. And the captain, this pagan captain, comes to Jonah while the ship's getting just rocked all over the place with drama and chaos. And everybody else is afraid. Jonah is so exhausted from running to God that he's just asleep. He's probably starting to suffer depression because he knows he's not where he should be. All he wants to do is sleep, thinking he can get away with it. The captain, this pagan captain, comes to Jonah, and he says to them, What do you mean, you sleeper? Are you delusional? Are you crazy? And then the pagan captain says to him, Arise and call out to your God, which is the exact same thing God said to Jonah. Arise, Jonah. And the one that should have been concerned about perishing people was this pagan captain, not the prophet of God. His dignity was completely gone. And when you run from God, it's all this is going to happen to you. The cost of disobeying God is greater than the cost of obeying God. It's a dead end. It's not going to go well for Jonah. And if you know that God's called you to something, it's not going to go well for you. It is still true. This was rebellion on Jonah's part. This was sin on Jonah's part. And it is still true that sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. Just ask Samson or ask David or ask Saul. Or any other character of scripture who we're supposed to learn from their example. When they thought they could say no to God and just how did that turn out for them? And all the drama that came along with it. The, the, the disillusionment, the, the loss of dignity, the dead ends that they found themselves in. Just the depletion of themselves spiritually. I mean, David said his bones waxed old when he lived in his sin. That's pain. It's painful. The pain of obeying, though, is far less than the pain of disobeying. Are you, are you running from God in any way? Are you trying to pack God away in some way? Are you just being maybe partially obedient to what God has for you? Because the Bible says there is a better way to live. There is a better way to go. Living in God's presence is so much better than running from his presence. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It will cost you 
follow God. It will cost you. And it will hurt sometimes to obey what God has called us to do. But Jesus said we're supposed to take up our cross daily and follow him. We're not supposed to be surprised by this. We're not supposed to be shocked by this when people aren't kind to us at work because we're trying to live for God. We're supposed to expect it. And it's going to be painful. There will be suffering. But that pain is far less than the pain of disobeying God. And we've got to see that. Because eh? when you follow God and do what God is calling you to do, at, at times it will totally confuse you. It will be foggy at times. Say, what is God doing? Where are you, God? And the Psalms write all about that. I mean, the whole book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11 talks about a whole group of people who God called to do something. And they did it, and it cost them a lot. And it says twice in Hebrews chapter 11, These all died in faith, not having received the promise. But they kept following after what God told them to do. They didn't quit because they knew that the pain of obeying God was far less than the pain of disobeying God. If God has called you to go in some area of your life, or you say, I need to do something different. I know God's calling me to go here. You need to do it. Or if God's called you and confirmed for you to stay, which both of them, to go or to stay, can be very difficult. But if God's called you to go, to change your relationship, to do, to serve, or to stay and keep plowing, if that's what God's called you to do, it is difficult, but it's right and good. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Road Wardrobe, they were talking about Aslan the Lion, which is a picture of Christ. And they meet Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, the four kids do. And they're trying to describe Aslan the Lion. And Aslan is talking, Mr. Beaver is talking to Lucy, and he says, Lucy says, Is he a man? asked Lucy. And Aslan says, A man? said Mr. Beaver. Certainly, certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of the beast? Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie. And make no mistake, said Mr. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then isn't he safe, said Lucy? Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mr. Beaver's telling you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And God may call you or be calling you to some very hard things or concerning very hard things, and you say, it's painful to do that. Yes, it's painful. And it will be painful. But if you're doing what God called you to do, you're doing it for a God who is good. But it's going to seem impossible to do it. It really is. But we are not without help 
when God calls us to do something. Now, Jonah is the story of a rebel trying to get away from a God who rescues. It's the whole story. And God always shows us his grace. When the captain came to Jonah and he said, What are you doing? You sleeper, wake up. And he says, perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Jonah should have known that he couldn't run from God. He should have known that you couldn't escape the presence. He knew the Old Testament. He would have known Psalms 139 when it says in verse 17 and 18, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. And the, the, the captain said, perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. When God's calling you to do something, it's really hard, and it will be hard. But to obey him is better than disobedience. And he will help us because he gave us a Savior who thinks about us. As much as the sand is in the sea, God th- thinks about you. And he thought about you so much that he said, I'm coming to rescue you. And I'm going to send my son, and Jesus is going to come, and he's going to think about you. He's going to pray for you in John 17. And he's going to pray for you that you will continue. And then he's going to take all my wrath that you deserve. I'm going to pour it out on him. And he's going to die on a cross. And he's going to be crushed by your iniquities. And on him, I'm going to take all the lashes for your sin, all your rebellion, all your saying no to me. I'm going to dump it on Jesus. And I'm going to let him die because I don't want you to die. And I want you to see him. And I want you to turn to him. And I want you to see what he's done for you. And I want you to call out to him. And I'm going to let him then help you. I'm going to give you a comforter in Jesus Christ who's going to enable you to do what I'm asking you to do because I'm a Savior who rescues us. And so when we see Jesus, we can say, God, the pain that you're going to put me through is not greater than what you can get me through. Because Jesus took all the pain and the suffering and the wrath. And any pain we get now is for our good. But we also have to surrender in that. You can know Jesus. You can know everything I just said about Jesus. You can even believe everything I just said about that. You can like that I said about that. You're like, I'm glad you always talk about Jesus at the end of your message. But Paul, if, Paul, but if you don't, then surrender to that Jesus, it's worthless. And when we get that help, it's knowing who Jesus is and it's surrendering him. And surrendering is speaking to yourself when God calls you to do something. When God calls you to do something, it's speaking to yourself and not listening to yourself. If Jonah would have said, Jonah, you know who God is. He's going to work this out for your good. Go anyway. It's better to obey. Jonah would have spoken to himself, but instead he listened to himself. He listened to all his fears. He listened to all his concerns. Surrender is speaking to yourself and not listening to yourself. And it's setting your mind and heart to seek the Lord. It's saying, I'm going to intentionally, when God says, do something, I'm just going to say, yes. God first, I'm going to ask him. We have a great Savior, and we have to surrender to that Savior. And as you do that, And as I do that, we're going to find that the pain of obeying is far less 
than the pain of disobeying. Living in the presence of the Lord is greater than running from the presence of the Lord. I just encourage us as a church and as individuals to live in the presence of the Lord and run to his great sea of promises rather than start out or stay in or settle for some dead end of disobedience. Rise and do